Hey everybody, this is John Parrott, and you are listening to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Today I have Dr. Duffy Robbins on the show. Duffy, welcome. Thank you very much. Good to be here, John. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Duffy is the professor of Christian ministries at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania, and is a 35-year veteran of youth ministry. Duffy speaks around the world to teenagers and people who care about teenagers. Duffy has his D-Men in Youth and Family Ministry from Fuller Theological Seminary and is the author of numerous books, including Ministry of Nurture, This Way to Youth Ministry, An Introduction to the Adventure, Youth Ministry Nuts and Bolts, uh, Building a Youth Ministry that Builds Disciples, a small book about a big idea, and and many more books. Um, You've got a lot going on there. Uh, Duffy also, in addition to this, spoke at RYM's Youth Leader Training in Paradise, Pennsylvania. He uh, was also at our High School Colorado Conference, for those of you who were there and had uh, some electives that he taught to youth workers. And then he was our main speaker at our High School Mid-Atlantic Conference. And now you're on RYM's podcast. So Duffy, are you tired of RYM yet? (laughs) (laughs) No, man, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I, I kind of feel like you guys are kindred spirits, so I'm glad to be involved. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been uh, excellent to connect with you. And, and Duffy, this is actually the first episode of the fourth season of this podcast. And so wow. for, for, for this fourth season, we're going to be talking about the importance of partnering with parents in youth ministry. And so we'll be talking with other youth workers and, and pastors to ask them about themes related to this question uh, throughout this this season of the podcast. And so obviously I want to get your thoughts on that, your wisdom from your years of, of youth ministry. Uh, but, but also I want to talk about something sobering as well with you, uh, talking about, you know, Christians stepping away from the faith. Specifically, we've had Christian leaders, ministry leaders recently that we've heard about stepping away from the faith. And so I want to talk to you briefly about that. I know that's a sobering topic to discuss, but I hope we'll have some time to, to share some lighthearted hearted stories about your ministry experience. Um, and I also want our listeners to know that we'll be giving away a copy of your book, Building a Youth Ministry that Builds Disciples, that I, I mentioned at the beginning. So stay tuned on that. But Duffy, before we officially get into the show, I did have an important question for you. And, yeah. and, and as I opened up your book, I saw that it was written by David W. Robbins. And so my my question for you was, when did you start going by Duffy and how did you come about uh, using Duffy? That is a question I'm often asked because, yeah, David is my real name and uh, the W stands for William. And I don't know how they came up with William, but um, or, or David, for that matter. David, as you know, is Hebrew for beloved. There you go. Which uh, you go, oh, well, that's obvious. But I think, uh, but 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 Duffy actually comes from the word duffer, which is somebody who's a beginner or somebody who's kind of clumsy. And um, and I think I think what happened was my parents, when at birth, they gave, gave me the name David. This is our child. He's beloved. And they had a very high hopes and high aspirations. And then about a year into it, kind of figured, you know what, uh, David doesn't really capture it with this guy. Uh, maybe, uh, let's see, what's the word for clumsy and stupid? And that's how uh, they came up with Duffer. 
uh, or Duffy. And they, so they would start saying, who's going to feed the Duffer and who's going to you know put the Duffer to bed. It went from, and then it went from Duffer to Duffy. And, uh, and, and so actually it was my parents, the one who started calling me Duffy. And, uh, and there was a radio show back when they were young uh, called Duffy's Tavern. And every episode opened up with Duffy's Tavern, Duffy speaking, and that's the way the radio show began. And so I think they had that name more in mind than most people think of it today. Uh, it's not one of those names like Hannah and Heather and Brittany that you often hear. <laughs> uh, and I think they opted not to call me Hannah and Heather and Brittany. Probably uh, even call. had they known those names. Yeah, I just don't <laughs> think they would have thought that fits the guy either. So, so that's it. So. Started off as beloved and ended up as Duffy. <laughs> All right. Well, look, th- thanks for sharing that. And uh, remember, everyone. But say- you may call me Hannah if you'd like. Or Heather. <laughs> we'll see. I might, I might work that in there. Who knows? It's yeah. kind of the afternoon. So there's no telling what's going to go on when that coffee <laughs> starts to wear off. Yeah. Um, look, remember, everyone, stay tuned for more of my conversation with Duffy, not David. Uh, we'll be talking about partnering with, with parents in ministry, and we'll also be giving away a free copy of his book. But first, here's some music by RYM's Worship Resources Coordinator, Joe Deegan. All right, Duffy, thank you again for making the time uh, for this podcast. Uh, those just letting you in a little on the behind the scenes. It took a lot to, to align our schedules up. Uh, Duffy has a lot on his plate, and he travels around speaking and uh, is a professor and uh, does a lot. So uh, with that being said, let, let's go ahead and jump in. I know you've got other things you need to get to. Um, and so I thought we'd just begin by you sharing your testimony uh, how you got into ministry, as well as, you know, let people know just a little bit more about your family, too. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in a, a Christian home. My mom and dad took us to church. Uh, we grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, uh, but despite uh, the influence of of growing up in a, a home where my mom and dad, you know, were believers, um, and we went to church most Sundays, um, I don't think I really, I know I didn't personally embrace my faith, and and I certainly wasn't living it out. Uh, my freshman year in high school, though, um, I mean, my freshman year of college, um, I actually became a Christian um, through the ministry of Young Life. It's, it's kind of a conversion story that began in the senior year of high school. Uh, they were, Young Life was doing a campaigner camp and your listeners that know Young Life will know campaigners is kind of their, you know, next level after, after you first start to come to club. And, um, anyway, I, I hadn't, I wasn't even a very frequent attender at club. I came some, but I certainly wasn't in campaigners, but they were having a campaigner weekend and this really good looking girl needed a ride to get there. And so they, I don't know how it happened, but they, I guess I heard about it and said, well, that's the least I can do for my fellow human being is give her transport to this camp. And so uh, I went down there basically to give her a ride, uh, but, uh, but stayed the weekend and, um, and quite to my surprise, uh, just discovered in the course of the weekend as they were talking about uh, Christianity that. At the, talking about the Lord, that um, I was sort of intrigued. And then um, I can't remember if it was in the evening or the morning of that Saturday of the weekend, 
they sent us all out. You know how you do as a youth pastor sometimes to go where you can't see anybody. Nobody can see you. And we read um, this little booklet by Robert Boyd Munger called My Heart Christ's Home. And um, if you're a youth pastor and you haven't ever discovered that little booklet, I highly recommend it. It's a very short read, but it's a great way to help kids think about making Christ Lord over all of their lives. Mm -hmm. And reading that book, it really hit me that um, that I had maybe let Jesus, maybe let him come onto the front porch of my house, but he mm -hmm. certainly wasn't in all the rooms. And uh, and so I kind of think that's where that's where it started. Um, I think that's where the, the conception happened and the new birth actually happened uh, in November in Thanksgiving of my freshman year in college. By then, I was helping with Young Life. Uh, not, I don't think they thought I was a Christian. I think they just thought, you know, let's. This is a way to involve this guy, and um, and I stayed in Charlotte, my my hometown, because I was working at a radio station, and I was going to go into broadcast journalism. That's why I stayed there. It was a big rock and roll stadium station in Charlotte, fifty thousand watts, called Big Ways, W A Y S, and. Um, I was the nighttime newscaster and I started that job as a junior in high school wow. and just kept doing it. And, and so I think, and so every, pretty much every teenager in Charlotte knew my name, um, <laughs> because I was on the radio every night. And so I think young life probably thought, you know, that would be kind of a, a plus we'll have, you know, Duffy Robbins at our club. I don't think they thought I was a believer, but in the course of that, for whatever reason, they had me there. Um, I actually became a believer hmm. and uh, it was on our, our Thanksgiving weekend retreat. I realized that we were talking to the kids about God and about a relationship with Jesus. And I didn't have that relationship. And so that's when I, I accepted Christ. And, and so I, I sort of believe that's when the, the gestation period, if you will, sort of came to fruition. Um, I uh, eventually left um, radio and started working with young, young life on student staff and uh, in the middle of all that, also became involved in the music ministry uh, in my home state there in North Carolina. And that's where I really got discipled. Um, and uh, and then I, you know, graduated from college, got married, went to uh, Duke uh, my first year of div school. Didn't really feel like I was getting the kind of training I needed to prepare me for ministry. So I transferred to Gordon-Conwell and I transferred, I went to Gordon Conwell, got my MDiv, and uh, went back and worked on that music ministry some more until my wife, uh, about two years after graduation, uh, contracted pregnancy. And uh, that's when the doctor said that uh, she can't keep touring like this. And so that's when I, you know, had gotten an offer from a church to be their youth pastor. And that's how I wound up in my first full time youth ministry position was in Barrington, Rhode Island at Barrington Baptist Church. And to my great surprise, uh, I really loved that job. I didn't think I was going to like it. I thought it was going to seem kind of tame and mellow compared to traveling and, and being a musician and doing ministry on the road uh, because that took us to a lot of places and a lot of different varied audiences. And I was the main speaker for that. That was good training. Um, but, but when I, when I got involved in this church in Rhode Island, it was really, it was really a great experience. And also while there, I connected with about six other youth pastors, 
Uh, at the time, there were only about seven full-time youth pastors in all of New England. Hmm. This would have been 80, that would have been 78 hmm. and that I went there. And so we met once a month, all day, every month while I was there. And it's those guys that really galvanized in me the vision for long-term youth ministry. Um, and and so that's, you know, not, not that I, not that I'm sort of said to the Lord, that this is what it has to be, but I guess I've, I've get, tried to make it clear, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm game. I love youth ministry. I'm not trying to go to the next level, whatever that might be. I like doing this. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of where I am today. Hmm, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a, a lot of years of ministry. As, as we said, I think at the beginning, over 35 years of, of youth ministry. And, and so, yeah, well, I started, well, I, after I, I, um, I served about um, eight or nine years as a youth pastor. And then, then um, I was actually in Kentucky at my second church. And I got a phone call from Tony Campolo. I don't know if you know that name or not, but mm-hmm. Tony called and said, we'd like you to consider coming to teach youth ministry at Eastern University. And, um, and I really didn't want to do that. I was already teaching as an adjunct at Asbury college mm-hmm. uh, where I I was serving as a youth pastor in the in the Wilmore United Methodist Church and uh, and so I was already doing some teaching and I would lecture some at the seminary but I pretty much uh, thought based on that experience that I would hate to do this full-time <laughs> that, that it felt pretty tame and and sort of like a leaving the racetrack and being put out in a stud, although I don't like to use that metaphor when I'm talking to my students. But <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, we just felt like that's what the Lord is calling us to do. Mm. And so that's when we moved to Pennsylvania. I taught at Eastern for 35 years and, um, and left there two years ago to come here to Grove City. So this is my second school year at Grove City. All right. And so from your years of, of teaching in the classroom, but then also participating in youth ministry, as I said, it's vital to, to come alongside the parents uh, in youth ministry. I mean, on our first season of this podcast, we talked about youth ministry isn't just ministry to youth, it's ministry to, to parents, to the whole family. And so what, what's some advice you would give to youth workers in this area of, of ministering to parents? And, and maybe, you know, speaking specifically to the young, single, or, or newly married youth worker who's absolutely terrified of parents like I was when I, when I started out. What, what's some advice you would give? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was too. Um, well, I mean, I think first of all, to recognize that to, to disregard the parents would be as foolish as a farmer who says, oh, you know, I don't, I don't worry about the soil. I just deal with the harvest. <laughs> Um, you, you know, it's it's absolutely critical that we recognize this. I mean, almost all of the data uh, pretty much suggests it's a slam dunk that one of the greatest predictors of the moral choices and the spiritual decisions that a kid makes will be anchored back in their parent relationships, that despite our intuitions, that uh, that in terms of moral decisions, parents are far more important uh, for teenagers than their peers are. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it just, it is, it's intimidating because of course, first of all, we have a challenge and that challenge is that we don't ourselves have children or maybe don't have teenagers. If you're a youth pastor and you're young 
And so, uh, you know, when I started out, we all, there weren't really any people that I didn't know hardly anybody that was a youth pastor that had teenagers. Now that's not uncommon at all, but then it was even more uncommon. And I think that's probably why the first kind of family-based youth ministry book by Mark DeVries wasn't written until 1990, Mm -hmm. because that's about the time at which a lot of youth pastors started having their own kids uh, become teenagers and begin to realize, hey, uh, this is really important. You know, the relationship I have with my teenage child. And so that's when it became important in youth ministry. Um, But but yeah, that's that's hard because. We don't we 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 feel intimidated and ill-equipped if you don't have teenagers in your own house to talk to parents about parenting teenagers. Um, And even if we feel equipped to do it, which we probably should be more humble about that, then the parents don't think we're equipped to do it. And they're going like, you don't know, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. You know, you have a four year old and a seven year old and you think life is great. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have no idea what's what's coming. And so, um, yeah, that it just, they're just those kinds of issues that that I think right off the bat come to bear. And then, of course, if you are in your early 20s, you're intimidated by adults in general, by people who are older than you and you feel funny, uh, you know, giving them information or giving them training which is why I think young youth workers are also typically not very good at volunteer ministry. Uh, is it just it just goes against all of your socialization that as a young person you should be aiding and equipping um, you know somebody who's 10, 15, 20 years older than you. It just feels very weird. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely my testimony and as I started out in youth ministry and now that you know, also have children and, and one that's entering uh, youth ministry. The, the the Lord is consistently humbling me for uh, just things that I told parents and the, the lack of patience I had to parents in youth ministry. And so uh, that's kind of where I am right now, being humbled by some of the advice and counsel I used to yeah. to give parents. Um, and, and look, as what we're talking about, me just reflecting on, uh, you know, ways in which I should have been more humble and gracious to parents. Uh, we've all made mistakes in, in ministry and specifically in this area of dealing with parents in ministry. Do, do you have a story that you would like to share? Maybe an embarrassing story, funny story, awkward story of kind of coming alongside parents or some mistake that you've made uh, in front of parents, anything like that in your years of youth ministry? Oh, uh, well, I mean, it's your name funny. is Duffy, and you gave us the... Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. I mean, I, well, I've totally uh, lived up to that name. But, um, well, I it wasn't funny at all. But what I what I can remember one, whenever somebody says, if you could go back and redo one experience or whatever, I remember early in the game, um, I mean, literally like in my first church, <clears throat> we were going to do a mission trip, and... And uh, there was this one girl who had since moved away from that church. Um, So in the time that I interviewed, she was actually on the interviewing committee to the time that I actually started the job. She had moved several states away. And um, and that church had a tradition every third year of taking a mission trip. And their third year happened to be my first year at the church. So we had a mission trip to plan 
almost immediately after I got there. And um, one of the things I decided to do was to have several preparation type meetings uh, with the group to kind of prepare us for the project, but also prepare us spiritually uh, to build us as a group. And you had to be at those meetings. And um, so anyway, this girl who moved away, uh, the question became, well, what, what's going to happen in her case? Because she's been waiting for her three years and now her three years are here and she's moved. And are you going to let her go? Well, um, you know, the decision had been made probably even before I got there that, yeah, we should we should let her go, you know, because, you know, she'd been there. But then after I got there um, and I'll make this fast, but after we got there, uh, it turns out that she'd been dating a guy and the, and some of my key adult leaders who knew all the kids better than I did. I mean, I'd, I'd been there about a month. Anyway, these key adult leaders, and, I, and they were going to be on the mission trip. They said, we think that's a bad decision because um, this young woman has a pretty unhealthy relationship with one of the guys who's going on the trip. And we and she hasn't been a part of any of your training. She doesn't know kind of the new ethos that you've set within the youth group. And uh, we think she could potentially or they potentially could spoil that. And so we think you ought to tell her she can't go. And so I remember calling down, you know, to where they live now and and telling this girl she couldn't go on the trip. She screamed. Her mother heard her screaming from the kitchen, I guess. And so her mother got on the phone and asked what's going on and who is this? And I told her and the same story. And she screamed, uh, which got the father on the phone. Uh, uh, and he screamed and yelled and started crying and all uh, of them were crying. And, uh, and it was, it was pretty much a disaster. uh, And, um, I mean, within a, I mean, literally, I'd been there about a month. I mean, it's very difficult to, to start it. That's not the way I recommend kicking off ministry. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that her boyfriend, who was still in the area, you know, he was still in the youth group. He thought I was a jerk, and then of course, a lot of the kids in the youth group, they didn't know what this couple had told me, and I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna say anything. It wasn't, you know, to try to protect this girl's reputation, and everything. So they just thought it was because she wasn't in the group anymore because she wasn't coming on the trip anymore. And, and since by my silence, I was trying to protect her, but by my silence, mm. I was sort of making myself and my own reasons just sound even less reasonable. Uh, and uh, um, so, yeah, that was a huge mess, but it reminded me in a vivid way that you don't do ministry with a kid. You do ministry with a family. Mm. And, um, and, and the, certainly the kid is a touch point, but those kids are touching some other people. Mm-hmm. And um, so to cause pain or to to or to pain be caused by, you know, the family member or whatever, that it's all connected. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, back then, you couldn't just text the student and yeah. let them know. You actually had to call and listen to them cry on the phone and then get the whole family crying yeah. in there. But no, that's yeah. That, that's a tough yeah, situation. It would be a lot better if I could just text it, maybe sent a <laughs> frowny emoji, uh, you know, maybe a gif of somebody being disappointed, and I'd be done with it. Yeah, <laughs> we were great. really handicapped back then. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hmm. 
Well, going from that, and of course, we could you know spend plenty of time just talking about mistakes in youth ministry that we've all all made. But but switching to a little more sobering, as I said from the intro, talking a little bit about those leaders, those ministry leaders that have uh, stepped away um, from the faith. We know that recently we've seen some some blog posts of you know pastors and worship leaders who are now renouncing the faith, and and just in light of that, I mean, seeing this as um, an opportunity for us to address this, talk about this, but also to to be counseling those who are just starting out in ministry, those who are younger. Typically, those in youth ministry are a little younger. I mean, as you said, it's not uncommon today to have youth workers that have teenagers uh, themselves uh, in in youth ministry. But um, but but just speaking to those uh, who are in youth ministry specifically, just what's some advice, what's some thoughts, some some counsel that you would like to to share in light of some of this that's going on in the broader culture? Well, I think. I think one of the most important, um, this is going to sound not particularly uplifting, but I think one of the most important uh, convictions to embrace heartily as a person in ministry is you have to really uh, embrace a robust doctrine of sin. Hmm. You have to understand that we are working with sinners and sinners, um, they can be sinful every now and then. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, that bugs us and it, it disappoints us and it angers us and it discourages us, uh, perhaps because it reminds us that we ourselves can be sinners. Um, I mean, it shouldn't surprise us, but, um, but somehow this seems to catch us off guard when a church uh, is not a, a place of perfect harmony. Um, and I see a lot of people get discouraged in ministry because it's, it seems like they thought it was not going to be that way. It was not going to be that way. Uh, and, and I get it. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. It should be that there is harmony. It should be that you could trust that people in the church are kind and gracious and giving. But then, you know, I look at my own life and I look at me and I realize, well, guess what, dude? You know, you fall short of your aspirations as a disciple. So why is it that you're so stunned that other people do this? So to me, honestly, I think that's the first thing. That's the very first thing, a really robust doctrine of sin. That, um, and then the reason you have to understand that also is that you, that helps you to understand. Eugene Peterson makes this point, that if you understand a robust doctrine of sin, it also helps you to understand that your problems in your youth group or in your ministry are not just technical. In other words, it's not, oh, we need a climbing wall or, oh, we need more smoke machines or, oh, I need to preach and teach better, or wow, uh, we don't have uh, an area for, uh, you know, gaga ball. It's at the end of the day, none of those technical fixes are going to bring about renewal. Hmm. Um, they, 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 they're all they can help, but, um, but there is kind of this, there's this kind of this notion in the church that thinks the problems are primarily, you know, managerial. And uh, that if we were to do a better job of managing, that somehow we could manage these problems away. Well, if the problem weren't sin, that might be true. But because the problem of sin impacts everything, uh, it's not—it's not management. It's—it's it's going to be a work of the Spirit of God in life, and that takes time. I had a—I had a pastor that that was kind of one of my mentors. His name was Roy Putnam. 
And he was a pastor of a church in Greensboro, North Carolina. When I was working with this music group, I, I had to have an appointment because I was an ordained pastor. And uh, and so the bishop appointed me to Roy's church. It was kind of a, it was really kind of a cover, really kind of a front organization so I could do the music ministry. And, and uh, but, but Roy mentored me and I preached at his church a lot. And anyway, Roy used to talk about our vision in the congregation was Ephesians 4, you know, to help you become like Jesus, no longer children, saints equipped for the work of ministry, doing it in the context of the community. And Roy had this saying where he would say, I'm not interested in greater efficiency. I'm great. I'm interested in greater efficiency. <laughs> and uh, that's the problem. If you don't understand sin, you think your problems are going to be solved by efficiency. But that's not going to solve it. It's going to take efficiency mm -hmm. to really bring about renewal. And that takes time. That's why all the metaphors that Paul uses, like in Colossians 2, they're, they're long-term metaphors, you know, rooted up and built up. I mean, it's these are agricultural construction metaphors that point to long-term processes. Uh, and, and I guess that, that that's the other second, that's the second kind of thing I think is really important to remember, is that ministry is hard. Is that ministry is hard and that people will quit. Um, I was driving up to the college today. Uh, I was listening to a sermon by John Piper, and it was about... Uh, Demas, in love with this present world, who left Paul and uh, went to Thessalonica, and 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 Piper was wondering out loud, you know, I wonder, I wonder what was in Thessalonica. Hmm. Um, and was it a woman? Was it another opportunity where he could make more money? Was it a place where he could use his skills? Was it a place where there wasn't as much intense heat and opposition? You don't know. We don't know any of that. All we know is that Demas was in love with this present world, uh, that he loved the present world more than he loved Jesus. And um, and you find that in ministry, that, uh, that, that that temptation to be in love with the present world, uh, whether that be fame, whether that be popularity, a better job, more money, you know, easy life, more professional respect, uh, Ministry is a hard, high, and holy calling, and and uh, so I think that's the other that's the other kind of really important thing. And it, and then I guess lastly, uh, to really focus on your heart and making sure that and that would encompass everything, at least in my life, it encompasses everything from trying to be faithful to Christ and really keep a warm heart, not just go through the motions. It would be easy to do that, but to feel. Uh, and to cultivate a, a, a passion. Uh, I want to be like John Wesley. I want to have that heart that's strangely warmed. But also that's going to impact my relationship with my family and my wife, my kids, to really make sure that those those kind of heart connections are are vital and open and, uh, you know, there's, that there's blood coursing through those connections. And if you don't have that, then I think um, it's easy to start living this outer life uh, that that looks good, and then if, fortunately you just cave in. You know, you just you just die young. Hold on, that's my just <laughs> set, there. Uh, yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, so to me, it's I just say it's those three 
those three ideas that really have have shaped me and marked me a lot. Hmm. Now that's a, yeah, some excellent perspective there. I mean, like you said, just being humbled by our own broken sinful nature. I mean, being reminded as simple as it may sound, ministry is hard. And, you know, as we're starting out ministry, we can have some concept of that. But as you get into the middle of it and just the sin, you know, permeating through every aspect of ministry that you're doing, your own heart, as well as those that you're ministering to, um, yeah, some some very good perspective. Uh, Duffy, there's... Let me there's just a, add, though, I should just yeah, add, John, to, to balance out, because I don't, that all sounds kind of, well, you use the word sobering, and it is that. It sounds kind of uh, bleak, but... Having said that, I mean, my whole experience with ministry has without question been one of a grand adventure. And, and of course, adventures have downtimes. I mean, anybody that's ever been backpacking uh, knows that, you know, sometimes those slogs are hard. Sometimes they rain. But on the other, t- on the other hand, you see vistas that you would never have seen you you explore and see beauty that you would have never witnessed and you share uh, relationships and conversations and experiences that most people will never, ever experience because they want to play it too stinking safe. Hmm. I don't regret for a minute. Um, I feel, you know, almost nothing but, but joy and, and gratefulness when I think about uh, the adventure of ministry that God has allowed us to share, not because it's all been pleasant and easy, it's been some really hard parts, but it's also been uh, a grand, uh, a grand adventure. You know, people come to me now and they say, like, I'll, I frequently run into people almost every weekend and go, hey, um, Duffy, I heard you speak when I was in middle school and I'm here tonight, you know, as a parent, you're doing a parent mm-hmm. seminar or maybe I'm here as a youth worker. I brought my kids this week or I'm here getting trained, you know, this RYM event. And then they always say, does that make you feel old? (laughs) (laughs) And I always say, no, it makes me feel grateful. Hmm. Uh, I love the fact that that God has allowed me to pursue this adventure all these years. And I wouldn't change anything about it. That's an awesome, awesome testimony and a good place to, to draw this to a close. I know there's there's a lot more I'd like to to talk to you about and have some other questions. Maybe we can get your buddy Walt Let's Mueller do it again. on as well, and we can yeah continue that. Yeah, 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 Walt, yeah, Walt Mueller. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And uh but but to the listeners, as I promised, if you want to have a chance to win a copy of Duffy's book, Building a Youth Ministry Team That Builds Disciples, simply subscribe to this podcast. If you're already subscribed, share this episode via social media, if that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just be sure to tag RYM so we know that you actually did it. Because if you if you don't tag us, we won't be able to know and then you won't be able to get this great resource. So subscribe or share for a chance to win. Duffy's book, and we'll notify you if you're uh, the one who's selected. Uh, Duffy, thank you again for all you do for the kingdom, for taking the time to be with us on the podcast and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Hopefully, we'll get you back on in the future. I like that, John. Thanks for being so tenacious, man, to lock <laughs> down this time. We did it. We did it. Brother. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, it'll actually make it to the airways. We'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> I hope have, so. Have a good day. All right. You too. See ya. Bye bye.
podcast.